It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark. Great show today. Mike Sando from The Athletic stops by to talk about quarterbacks, what we're getting wrong about the position this year, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, MVP talk, and a little bit of everything, really. Then Van Lathan joins us to defend his Saints against Kalen Jones's take last week that they are the Clippers of the NFL. Uh, we did that segment with Van, Kalen, Nora Princiati, and myself. And then Danny Heifetz joins us with Kalen at the end to talk about our playoff predictions, who's going to win the wild card, uh, what teams can make a run, and more. Today's episode of the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Getting great car and home insurance from State Farm at a surprisingly great rate, that's like drafting a player that becomes an all-pro, the real deal. State Farm agents provide personalized service so that you can customize your insurance to fit your needs like a GM putting together their very own roster. You need a team that supports you, and State Farm's got a great one. In addition to agents, the award-winning mobile app helps manage coverage, pay bills, file claims, and more. With a great price and even greater service, State Farm goes from strength to strength. Choose insurance that always brings its A-game. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, joined now by one of the smartest people in football, Mike Sando, senior writer at The Athletic. What's going on, buddy? Not too much. Not too much at all. Good to be here, Kevin. So you did something that I think is really fun. You you do in the summer, you do the QB tiers, what, what you're kind of known for, but you did the revisited version at the halfway point. And I found it fascinating. And you didn't do a whole re-rank or anything like that, but you just checked in and said, hey, where are these guys right now? And yep. I, I want let's just start big picture. Who is the biggest riser where guys, GMs, scouts, assistants, whoever it was, said, okay, this guy, we had him way too low in the summer when we ranked him? Well, I think we finally have the production for Josh Allen to go along with the talent, right? And people right. Have, people don't suddenly think that he's top tier and all this, but I mean, he's got the production. So he was a, he was already one of the biggest risers from, you know, last year to coming into this year, but I think he'll go up again he, from the third tier where he's at. I mean, I think. He's got a great chance to come in somewhere, maybe in the bottom of the second tier. Um, certainly, if mm-hmm. he continues to, you know, produce. With, with Allen in particular, what do you think NFL people? I don't know. I mean, I, what are the lessons going forward with Allen? I guess you could see you could put it that way. Where is it going to be? More guys who were drafted a little bit more raw, a little bit earlier. Is it going to be? I mean, obviously, the lesson is always from any young quarterback to surround them with talent. But when you talk to people around the league and and where maybe their evaluations were off in one direction or the other with Allen. What kind of sticks out as far as what they're saying now? I think that people think 
people's thoughts on Alan are still their thoughts on Alan. You know, <laughs> he still makes bad decisions, right? He does. Yeah. I mean, what the Ram game, no, they're 28 to three, and then they almost lose the game. And he gets two personal fouls. He gets two 15-yard penalties. And when's the last quarterback you've got two in a game, right? In the game the other day, he's throwing the ball over the place. He's holding it away from his body. I mean, I think all of those things. But I think one of the lessons is, you know, you you get a guy who's a fit for your team. And they felt like all the way through, they have a plan for their organization, right? I mean, uh, I think you can see the coach and GM are on the same page, right? Absolutely. And I think they're okay with what Josh Allen is, right? I mean, they're play, they play to his strengths, and they yeah. have been able to, I think, coach him up too. You know, I think he's been better. Uh, we saw, we've seen flashes of big plays, but I mean, yeah. the production they've had getting Stephon Diggs has been huge, and and sort of sticking with it. Now we'll see, ultimately, in the end, um, you know what it means. There's such a short supply of those really top tier guys, right? So how high is he going to go? What's going to happen when you buy that option yeah. and you know, their defense isn't even that good this year, right? So is he going to take them all the way? I, I don't know, but you've at least seen the yeah. high-end plays and production that we didn't see as much in the past. It's a different podcast, but paying Josh Allen to me is one of the most fascinating test cases this, this offseason. I, I honestly have no idea where it's going to head, but it, it's it's it, to me, it's like a top three most fascinating thing of the next year is, is how much money do you commit to a guy like that who has shown flashes, but they're obviously still some holes there people pay guys though you know i mean they do you pay a guy to to not not have a guy a hundred percent a hundred and that's it and and that that's the the fear of not having a guy any guy (laughs) makes these guys so much money whether that's listen we've seen some of the you know Derek carr was who i think is a good quarterback at some point was the highest paid player in football he is not the best quarterback in football the entire market is is it's not broken but it's certainly not a well-oiled machine with quarterback quarterback money all right opposite question so who's a guy who maybe the folks you talk to in the league pegged a little too high and through eight weeks through nine weeks we've seen a little bit of a dip i thought i thought at the time i thought that of carson wentz yeah i mean i i feel like so carson wentz came in uh he was like 10th or 11th or something he was one spot ahead of Dak, and you know in some cases i think it's i, I think draft day evaluations take a while to die um <laughs> People have both seen Carson Wentz at his best and yeah. thought, you know, think that that could, he could be great. But I think there's might be something missing. You know, I don't know if it's all him or or the team or a combination of it. But how could he be after this year? Unless there's a strong finish, even if you think, which is legitimate, around him it's been bad, it's all fallen off. I'd have a hard time thinking he's going to be in still in tier two. Wow. Okay. So Shio Kapati wrote. Where would amazing- you put him? I, I I don't know. I mean, it, it's so it's so hard for me to put Carson Wentz in perspective at all. You know, Shilkapati wrote that great piece last week about just how broken some of yep. the parts of his game are. Whether that's the intermediate throws, whether that's just his pocket presence. Um, anyone who who hasn't read it should seek it out. I don't know what Carson Wentz is because I still and again this is it's not just for me. It's not just the draft evaluation. It's also the 2017 evaluation. And maybe it's because I'm an optimistic person. I don't know. I, I keep looking for signs of that. And I, I feel like certain guys are just not irretrievably broken. And I, I, I'm not ready to. I'm, I'm on Wentz Island. And but so is Doug Peterson. So is Howie Roseman. I'm like, there are a lot of people who, who are. And I just think, and, and this is, again, I'm going to wait around for the Eagles to accidentally win four straight games, win this division with with seven wins. They may do it, but let's just, so when I, here's how I sort of conceptualize Wentz. Let's just say there's 
10 factors of varying uh, importance that were uh, instrumental in him looking so good in 2017. And I think if we checked all 10 of those boxes, they would all be worse now than they were then right. from his health, yep. from his health, right? Um, from the organization around him in all areas, the receiving core, the offensive line, and the offensive line's not going to be the, probably that good again. You know what I mean? Uh, so I mean, I it, it, could, it could have been an okay offensive line this year if Brooks is healthy and if Dillard is healthy. And that didn't happen from the start. And all of a sudden, thing, the, the dam starts to burst. Yeah. So maybe that comes back. I mean, I, I think it's there's always been sort of a weirdness in his, you know, trying to find the receivers to grow with them or a rapport yeah. with them. How hard is it to develop a rapport with receivers between a quarterback? We act right. like it, it's going to take 10 years to get the right combination for Wentz to have guys that that he's on the same page with and it feels good with and all that. I mean, should it be that hard? Just get a guy and be, and have a good situation. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, even, even the impressive nature of like what he did last year in week 17, where he's throwing to people that, you know, he'd barely yeah. met, but this year I read Jeff McClain on, on Sunday and it's like, well, they, they got to develop a chemistry. They got to develop a chemistry. It's like, I understand this is the weirdest season of all time. No OTAs, all that stuff. And maybe chemistry is a little bit behind the curve or whatever. But it's we're in the second half of the season. We're well into the second half of the season. At some point, you, let's just have chemistry. Other teams seem to have figured it out. One of the most fascinating things I thought in the quarterback tears piece from over the summer was a little bit of psychology of Carson Wentz. And um, you know, the, the leadership of him. So when you're the quarterback, you're constantly managing those personalities and guys want their touches. And, right. you know, all of these guys are looking, used to be in the old days, they'd look at the game book in the locker room after the game, see how many touches they had or right. You know, everyone's aware. And it, it was almost like once all of the name receivers route, it was almost like last year, Wentz could relax and just go throw to all these guys who are, who are nobodies, right? right? Well, guess what? You're going to have to manage a bunch of guys in the huddle and have rapports with really good players too. And does it feel like he's had that? Is that overanalyzing it? It just, something just feels a little off and has there. And, and there's other weird things too, like the fact that they won a Super Bowl, but it wasn't really him. You know, I think that's oh, a, yeah. there's just, you know what I mean? There's just, yeah. a, there's elephants in this room. You can't really see them all, but you can feel them. So I, I'm in total agreement with you. I mean, weird, there's a weirdness around Carson Wentz is pretty much an evergreen take at this point. And, and I don't know. It's just such a winnable division. If they don't win this division this year, I, I, I don't know how to. I, I, I wouldn't say blow it up, but there need to be extreme changes. And I don't know what that looks like. And again, it, they got it is, old, though. Yeah, they got to be a really old team and they tried to keep that window open and we're going to do it. And I think you know, it's a year too long. Right. They, they did it a year too long. Um. I want to talk about some of the other quarterbacks before we get to, yeah. to more of the team building stuff. Uh, Kyler. And I think that there's when you talk to people over the summer and then now, did they expect him to be this good this quickly? Because I, I, I kind of did. And I expected what I expected a kind of a confidence boost and what would come around with that. But I, I didn't expect almost, you know, at a little bit below MVP level play. In in 2020, you know, the Hail Mary was unbelievable. But what what is the perception around yes. him? Uh, is it sustainable? What 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 does this look like inside the league with Kyler? Very optimistic. You know, he he so he came in after only one year in the league, and he was a top guy in the third tier. So he's kind of that means you're he's like you know above a little bit above Kirk Cousins and Garoppolo, who are sort of settled in now at that top tier three, bottom tier two, depending on you know if they had a good year or not. So that was really high for. Uh, 
for somebody with only one year coming off a rookie year. And so I think the only person in the last several years that had been that high, you know, Mayfield got a lot of love. Baker did after his first year, but Baker Mayfield also don't, obviously don't less say talented that. in don't certain say, ways. Don't, 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 don't no, burst no, our bubble it, with, with no, Mayfield. No, it's not a comparison, <laughs> though, because with, with Baker Mayfield, there was no real elite trait. Yeah. And then they screwed up the whole organization. I mean, they changed the offense. They changed coaches. And now they've got it kind of going back again. But you can – I thought there was no way that that, that was going to happen to Kyler Murray because, uh, heck, they had the perfect marriage of the coach. I mean, they got the coach basically to draft him, right? Yeah. And they're bringing that back. And we saw signs of success. And he is – he does have elite traits. I mean, he does have things that – he doesn't have to be propped up in the scheme necessarily, right? I mean, amazing running ability without getting, you know, just slobber knocked and hit. He, he scampers away and then he can throw the ball really well. Uh, so, you know, sure. Is it going to always be as easy for him being, being shorter, standing in the pocket? No, but, but I think we've seen that you can still be really effective throwing the ball. So that ability to throw the ball is why I think people, I think there's a lot of people in the league would, you know, take him over Lamar Jackson. So you wrote about that Hail Mary this week as sort of an entree into to Hopkins and also Stephon Diggs, who obviously had a great game and almost won that game you know, 30 seconds prior. Uh, what is the perception of the Cardinals franchise around the league? Because I've heard varying things. You know, Vance Joseph's done a really nice job. And I, I had heard some pessimism coming into the year about that defense and, and how they were going to how they had pieces that maybe didn't fit together or whatever. Um, I've been hugely impressed with Vance Joseph's, uh, you know, even you saw against Wilson. Uh, in that Seattle game, just the, the, how much the Blitz has played with his mind until he threw that backpacking interception, all that stuff. Uh, what is the perception around the league when you talk to folks about Hopkins and Kyler this week about how good this Cardinals team can be? I think it's totally shifted. I mean, you think yeah. about a place where, uh, you know, really not that long ago, it's Josh Rosen and pictures of Steve Kime after a DUI. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, no, the for sure. low of low. Yes. I mean, complete embarrassment. Like, people are going to get fired. I, I mean, it, it was... To, to have this kind of a flip in one year by making the absolute right choice and being in position to make it, but the absolute right choice of quarterback instead of, hey, Rosen's our guy. We got to give him at least three years. We got to Bortles him, right? We got to, we're not going to look at all these other guys. I mean, I, I think it's a much more positive outlook um, for them. And Vance Joseph's been kind of a pleasant surprise this yeah, year, sure. right? I mean, w- that was one where you were kind of like, Oh, he got the head coaching job before in Denver without really having much of a track record. There was optimism, but he didn't have like 10 years of a track record. So that suddenly looks better to me. And they've been adaptable somewhat on offense. I mean, Kingsbury hasn't just blindly stuck to everything he wanted to do in college, right? They've used the tight end more. They've they've shown an ability to probably grow. So I think it's pretty darn good um, there in Arizona. I mean, think of it like how many other teams, even that division, would you rather be? You know, you might rather be Seattle because you like Russell Wilson more. Sure. But, you know, it's tougher. It's, it's, it's tougher. Yeah, no, I, 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 that that whole division is intriguing to me because I would not be surprised. And, and the fact that San Francisco is kind of removed from this discussion makes it even more amazing. But I wouldn't be surprised if any, any of those three teams were playing in the Super Bowl. Seattle, yeah. Arizona, and the Rams. And I feel like people around the league also feel like that because there's just – there's a, a floor for all of them because there's there's talent on all three rosters, but then the coaches are pretty good. And I think that the fact that and I was talking to Simmons about this on Friday, the fact that Cliff Kingsbury is the worst coach among the playoff <laughs> contenders and Kingsbury, I think, is actually pretty good and is growing into the role. I mean, there's some there's just something there. There's a parody in the NFC that I think is is interesting to me. Um, I do want to ask about golf real quick because we're, we're, to, to stay on the NFC West thing here is you know, I saw some stats today. 
where you know he I think he might be the worst quarterback uh with his splits under pressure versus not under pressure. And we kind of know what golf is, but he's having his, I guess you could say his golfiest season right now. Uh, Where are (laughs) you on golf? Where are you on that Rams team? Because I, I, I'm, I'm starting to believe in them, especially with breeze out as maybe the team we're looking at in the, in the, in the NFC and the Super Bowl. I like the Rams coming into the year. I think the Rams were treated this off season as if they were coming off a four and 12 record. Absolutely. Because they had been so high and mighty, but people sort of had this thing in their mind, like, well, McVeigh got solved. Yeah. My one my one sort of uncertainty and concern was, okay, you're going from a guy who's been a coordinator for 500 years in, in Wade Phillips to somebody who's new at it, really an unknown, uh, with a coach who's an offensive coach, right? I mean, Sean McVeigh is not going to help fix the defense. So I didn't really know for sure where that was going to go, but I felt like they were totally slept on. And... Uh, that's what I mean. After one or two weeks in the in the year, I wrote a column. I'd rather be the Rams than the Eagles. I mean, just where they're at, uh, and that seems laughable now. Of course, you'd better be the Rams. But coming into the season, I think people thought the Eagles, right? Some people would have said the Eagles, or you liked Wentz more, or this or that. So I I do like where they're at. I think that uh, they need to be reassessed a little bit with their roster because people yeah. thought no flexibility. They made these trades. They're stuck. They can't. Well, are they? I mean, you know. As far as it pertains to golf, I mean, there's a limiting factor of golf, right? I mean, I think we we realize that it, for most of the good quarterbacks now, there's two plays. There's the called play, and there's the one that, oh, my goodness, it broke down, and now it might be an even better play. Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, right. uh, even Aaron Rodgers, or mm-hmm. an older quarterback, or Mahomes, right? The second play kills you. Yeah. Roth, yeah, all these guys, and there's not a second play with golf. So the first play can be pretty dang good, but but there's a reason why you say system quarterback, right? Okay. So I, I, on the Rams point, I, I think this is an important distinction because you mentioned, oh, they're capped out or whatever. And and my general feeling on this is if you're capped out, but you have a bunch of good players, that's fine. Going all in on a team. Okay. You give over a hundred million dollars to Aaron Donald and, and Ramsey. I understand that part. The golf contract is really bad. But the reason you go all in is because you can have Jalen Ramsey wipe out DK Metcalf and you could have Aaron Donald suck up the double teams. Like there's a reason you're not just going all in for the sake of going all in. And so I don't think the strategy that the Rams employed was particularly bad because they ended up with 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 blue chip players. So I mean you you have look at their defense. I mean, look at look at Darius Williams. I mean, I I just there's there's something there. And I don't think the all-in strategy, which was much maligned, you know, two years ago, oh, they're going to fall off a cliff. I, I just didn't, I didn't see that. And I remember talking to Kevin Demoff at the Super Bowl about that. He was basically just saying, you know, I think that the the Sixers kind of process mentality shifted how everybody looks at sports. And I think that, in his point, Les Needs' point was, if you can speed things up, go for it. And that's that's what they did. So you're living in this year. It's kind yes. of like. You know, people people in their own lives have this idea that there's going to be this amazing retirement waiting for them, and we're just planning for that. Now you got to live now too, right? Today's what you got. So uh, the Rams are doing that, and it's a pretty good day when when you got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. I mean, just two, you know, arguably the best. Well, Donald is the best player in his position, and Ramsey, I think, is too. We'll do this quickly. Uh, you're in Seattle or in the Seattle area for the Seahawks to make the Super Bowl. What happens? Um, I think that their defense, it's funny, I'm going to say this. I think their defense and running game actually oh, no. uh, perks up a little bit. I don't you, mean, Mike. 
No, no, I don't mean that. <laughs> but I mean, you have to have a little bit of it, right? I mean, I think uh, it's been so fun to see them just be at the red line all the time, yeah. but it's hard to be perfect every week, right? Yeah. So, um, like, it was funny, uh, do running backs matter and all yeah. that? Well, it matters if you don't have any of the supporting context, right? So I think defensively, like they played a decent, better game against the Rams. Some of that could have been Andrew Whitworth went out, but it was a little bit better. And I think we've there's some hope with Jamal Adams there that they can at least be 20th or, you know, 15th sure. or something. Sure. If they can do that and then just remit, you know, have somewhat of a physical presence in the run game, I think Carson can help with that. I don't mean that we want to, you know, uh, be running the ball all the time, but just just remember that it's there, right? Just balance it out a little bit, just a little bit, because Wilson's got seven turnovers the last two games. It's been fun, but don't go too far to where we're just winging it around. That's not, that's not always the best way too. you know, have a little bit more of a balance in your team and roster and just in how you play the game. How real is this Lamar thing? Because almost in this, again, I'm, I'm an optimistic person. When I see flashes of brilliance, I think that, that that's going to sustain itself, especially with young quarterbacks, because the league is much more fun when young quarterbacks are great. When you talk to people around the league, I think there's, there is some heat on Greg Roman, the predictability of that offense and just how stale it's gotten. I understand that part. Lamar has not looked like 2019 Lamar. How real is this? And, and how did the Ravens get out of it? First off, the staleness thing. I mean, give me a break. Like the <laughs> second half of last year, everyone's writing how they've reinvented the game of football. And sure. now, a couple of months later, that's completely stale. I don't buy that. I don't buy that that's the driving force of it. I think uh, the mistake people make is uh, seeing the second half of last year for the Ravens when, when Lamar Jackson had 24 touchdown passes and one interception as the default normal okay mm -hmm. so go back and look at the year cam newton won the mvp the first half of the year he had 14 touchdown passes nine interceptions he he was arguably not playing as well as kaepernick to that point and kaepernick got benched mm -hmm. there ain't no great defense no one says a word second half of the year 21 touchdown passes one interception wow they, they've they've reinvented the game this is how it's going to be no it's not going to be like that all the time it's, it's like that all the time for maybe rogers maybe mahomes I think that the first half of last year is probably a greater indication of what's realistic for Lamar Jackson, which wasn't terrible, wasn't terrible, but it's not always on fire. I think the more time goes by, if you're committed to this incredible run heavy scheme, people are going to defend it better. And you, and you may have runs and spurts and they may have one in the second half this year, but I think we may not ever see for the rest of his career, a run as amazing as the second half of last year. And that's not a knock on him. That's just, a, it was such an amazing run. Now I'm sad. Now you've got me sad, Mike. Yeah. Well, I thought this could picture, grow. Right? I thought that and Harbaugh was talking about the deep passing game, opening up this stuff. And, you know, I, I think that teams have, teams have learned offensive lessons from the Ravens in so much that, you know, I, again, we don't, let's not do the running back thing, but when a running back, when a quarterback can run, that opens up lanes for the running back as well. And so I think that you're seeing some of the teams around the league understand kind of how to how to build around a running quarterback in in that regard. And also, obviously, Lamar and Kyler, whomever, also have just the incredible ability to pass. But I just thought that I was going to see a little more evolution from that Ravens offense this year, and I just haven't seen it. That, that's yeah, cool. yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I would hope for that too, but I, I think they're so far down the road of of being that style of a team with the tricked out running game that 
it's hard to then suddenly develop this passing game. You know, yeah, you know it's I not who that. they are. And also, he's not an accurate passer. He's right. not an accurate passer on just pure passing situations. It's different when it's coming off the run game and a guy's running wide open and he can hit you. But third down, other situations, you're behind in the game. That was always going to be the issue this year, and it may always be the issue in the future. The one thing I'll say about the staleness part of it is I actually don't think that it's impossible to have reinvented everything last year and be stale this year. Because I think that and the NFL moves so quickly. And, you know, I remember reading a Formula One book one time, a huge Formula One fan. And I remember the guy, former uh, guy named Ross Braun, basically said that the beginning of the year, the car that wins the first race would finish last in the in the last <laughs> race if there's no improvement. OK, because yeah. that's just how quickly everything moves there. Right. And I kind of feel like that with football, where if you just took whatever, whatever the best thing was in the best roster in 2018, 2019 and dropped them in here. There are so many little adjustments week to week that everything is just getting better and better and better. And I just think there's a I, I, I can understand why why schemes would age quickly, I guess you have, you guess you could say. Yeah. So. And they are so scheme dependent. Yeah. Right. I mean, they are the most schemed offense almost that there is. Right. I mean, it's certainly in an unconventional way. So I think, you know, one thing we saw, remember when they lost the Chargers in the playoffs, would they play six, seven DBs? Yeah. You know, there, there's just different ways that you can kind of make it tough. And I think, uh, you know, in the end, that's probably what more teams are doing. I think uh, uh, PFF had a pretty good piece. This week. Yep. Mike Renner have a good piece, Renner, pretty good yeah. piece, just talking yeah. about people, you know, playing some different sub packages and yep. and that sort of thing. So, you know, they'll have their good days too. You know, I mean, this last game was in a rainstorm. So, yeah, you know, that, that, um, that was going to be my last point on the Ravens is that they are still going to make the playoffs. They played a game in a driving rainstorm against the best defensive coach in history. And everyone's takeaway is that the Ravens are in crisis. And I just, I the, think there's, there's they're 20 and five since the start yeah. of last year. We're going to be no fine. one better. We're going to be fine. Yeah, they're going to be fine, but they're not going to be that amazing down the stretch. That's just not normal. If they did that, they'd be the best thing ever. Uh, okay. MVP race, because I, I think it's Mahomes. I've heard people say, you know, the PFF guys are high on it, not being Mahomes. Cause I guess he has more turnover worthy throws than, and then he has thrown overthinking. Yeah, I was, overthinking. It. That's yep. And so um, I guess the question is, and this is this is what I asked you when we were talking about the show. So let's view it through this lens. If there was a team right now that lost starting quarterback, which team would be the most screwed? Well, I would have a process for doing this. OK, so the way I would do it is I would look for a team that has a good record, yeah. but has a bad defense, but has a great quarterback, but doesn't have a good backup and doesn't have a proven record like Kansas right. City does of being able to get more from less at the position. So to me, that's clearly Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. Seattle's not good on defense. They have a great quarterback. They don't have necessarily a good backup. And we don't know that they're able to get more out of quarterbacks not named Russell Wilson. So to me, clearly, what would their record be? They, I don't think they have a game this year where they're on the positive side of EPA on defense for the whole year. I was, as you were giving that answer, I looked up NFL defenses to see who would be in the zone here. Yeah. And the answer is no one except Seattle. The answer is that Seattle is so significantly worse than everybody <laughs> that I, I can't believe I, I'm listen. I knew that they were on pace for the worst passing defense of all time and all that stuff. But I'm actually I'm actually melting down over here looking looking at this because there are no other good teams in this zone at all. And and you know, I I, I was going to say 
I think there was an argument for someone like Aaron Rodgers in this case, just because I just don't think this offense, that offense works without him. But I think you make a much better. Interesting. I, I, just in the sense that I, I've, I, I've seen Aaron Rodgers come out in the past, you know, five, five come out, get injured. And then, you know, five years ago, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at, um, I mean, obviously oh, Matt, no Matt, doubt. Matt Flynn, it would be, you know, separate from here and that, that week 17 game that, that made him a lot of money, but I've seen him come out of games and they just look like they've never played football before. Um, so I, I just think that there's, I'm always going to, in these situations, say that the Packers would not be able to function without Aaron Rodgers on offense, but you make a great point about defense because this, this is just, this is just a disaster for, for the Seahawks right now. I agree with you. It's actually refreshing for me uh, to hear, to not be the one who's having to defend Aaron Rodgers because I feel like I've become the Aaron Rodgers defender uh, as people were talking about him not being as good uh, anymore. But I do think the one thing that stands out to me about Green Bay, and I'm with you, they would be in trouble without him. Uh, but they are they have shifted to this, you know, more of a run-oriented offense with heavy play action, things that traditionally you can get more out of a lesser quarterback out of that. Like I would make the argument, they're not getting the most out of Rodgers that they could. You know, that if you could be lining up with some weapons on the outside and putting them in the shotgun yeah. and flinging it on the yard, now maybe he'd get hurt too running around. But but I think they have a structure to that offense kind of a little bit like San Francisco does, right, where um, sometimes you plug in Nick Mullins and he has a 400-yard game. I don't know yeah. if that happens for Seattle. Uh, two quick ones for you. Number one, what's the quarterback, when you talk about people inside the league, whether this is good or bad, who have the biggest disconnect between what how they're perceived in the league versus how they're perceived among fans and media. Okay. There's a process for this too. And it's basically this um, people in media pay attention largely to stats yep. and people in the league pay attention to context of how those stats are produced. So you might hear somebody in the media, write a column that Ryan Tannehill should be in the MVP race. Just right. look at his stats. Everyone in the league would say, no, 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 he, they're, they're giving him easy throws. They're doing this or that. So, so that would apply to somebody like Ryan Tannehill to some degree. I mean, to some people for Lamar Jackson, I mean, I think everybody acknowledged amazing uh, player, but there's a context there that works against him with some in the league. Right. Uh, even Dak Prescott a little bit was a little bit like that mm-hmm. um, where he had the good offensive line for a while uh, stuff around. Now this year, I think he showed, right. Yeah. When this that was the Dak appreciation there. season. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to show that even Russell Wilson early in his career had to show that we had the top defense and the great running game, even though he had all the great stats, people weren't giving him on credit on par with Andrew Luck, for example, who was thrown at 600 times a year and didn't have a good defense. And so that's where the disconnect forms. And so I think somebody like a Tannehill this year would be a good, would probably be a good example of that. Maybe a little bit Lamar last year, Dak at times, but that that's sort of the template for those, uh, differences. Last thing we get you out of here on this, Jameis in New Orleans. Obviously, we don't know what that injury looks like with Drew Brees. Part part of it is a collapsed lung. Obviously, could be serious, but it seems like they're talking about matters of weeks. What do we expect from Jameis in New Orleans? Obviously, listen, we know what Jameis Winston is, but we haven't seen him in, in Sean, Payton's, Sean Payton's offense, which I'm sure will look significantly different than Arians one. What, what, what do we expect, and what's the ceiling there? Yeah. I think it's going to be more good than bad. I'm optimistic Ooh. it'll be better than in Tampa. So well, I, I felt like in Tampa, there's not there's not a lot of uh, yeah. room to go down. Well, yeah, but except they they did score a ton of points. I mean, they yeah. they had he was leading the league in a lot of the big play type of stuff. But I think there's a governor there on him. You know, I think when, I think I said this before on him when he went to Tampa, they basically gave uh, the keys to the Ferrari to their 16 year old son. Yeah, you know, and 
typically what you'd want to have is, uh, you know, have a context of a run game. Don't have it all on his shoulders all the time. Well, that's New Orleans. They've yeah. got this thing set up to manage Drew Brees, who's 41 years old and can't just shoulder it like he used to. So keep him in that context. Uh, keep the threat of Taysom Hill there. You know, like, hey, we may we have another guy here. You're the, the, guy, you're the Taysom one... Hill defender. I love it. Well, only for the context of creating a different environment, uh, uh, creating conditional love environment yeah. for um, for Jameis. It can't be that he can just do whatever he wants. Yeah, That's not the way this works. And so the, to the extent that they can have the a little bit of a hammer over him, or you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. This is his window. If he can't do it now, making 1.1 million with Drew Brees probably coming back with a good team with Taysom Hill there to take snaps away from him, then, then we're not going to see it from him. So yeah. I think it's set up as good as it possibly can be for him. And also not from week one, he gets the whole year to come in now. So, you know, I'll be just kind of disappointed if he goes in there and is terrible. Mike Sando, read him at The Athletic, listen to his podcast. Thanks so much, buddy. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Okay, last week on this show, I was out. Noel Princiati hosted. And Kalen Jones, NFL staff writer at The Ringer, unleashed a take that was controversial among Saints fans. Mm. Uh, we have brought in, before we get to all of this, we brought in Nora to, to help moderate whatever's going on here. I'm here uh, in an Kaylin unofficial Jones. human resources capacity. She's here. She's here to laugh. Uh, Kaylin Jones is here. And then Van Lathan, one of my favorite people on the planet, really. Oh, thank you. And uh, he's a Saints fan. Big time. Been on Slow Newsday, uh, hosts two podcasts for us, Higher Learning and and our Wire podcast, Jamal Hill, that is uh, incredible. Mm. But he has a bone to pick with Kaylin. Kaylin, why don't you uh, restate the take before we get to the debate? Okay. So the take was that. You know, the Saints are the Los Angeles Clippers of the NFL. And it's because of, you know, the postseason inefficiencies over the past year. And look at, look at, Van, I know, I know you're upset. Look at, we're not going to disregard the Super Bowl championship that won, that y'all won in what, 2009, 2010 season. But that was mm -hmm. also 10 years ago. So mm -hmm. over the past 10 years, there has not been too much postseason success for the Saints. You look at 2011, they lost Alex Smith in the, in the Niners. That was a good loss. Mm -hmm. But then 2013, lost to Russell Wilson, went to the Super Bowl, the Seahawks that went to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. But the Saints scored 15 points on the fourth quarter. And then three, in a, three years in a row, went seven to nine. And then over the past three seasons, you had Case Keenum in the Minneapolis Miracle, not a good Vikings team. Jared Goff and the Rams went to the Super Bowl. You guys got screwed out of that, that call in the game. Mm -hmm. Sure. But you guys mm -hmm. shouldn't, shouldn't have lost that game. And, then you also had Drew Brees throwing an interception that game. We're not going to talk about that. But then also Kirk Cousins last season and the Vikings, another not good team that you guys should have lost. So, you know, it's been these 
And, and it's not so much for, you know, really, the Clippers have made the playoffs eight out of ten se- or eight out of the past ten seasons. So really, the Saints missing out in the postseason makes them a little bit worse by comparison if you're talking mm-hmm. about post- reaching postseason. But that being said, you know, look at the severity and I guess the flagrance in the way that you guys go out is why I'm hesitant to choose you guys pick, you know, winning the Super flagrance. Bowl. Flagrance. Mm, the flagrance. All right. Flagrant. I, I, I'm going to let you two. I'm going to let you guys handle this. Van, you have the floor. Kalen, you have the floor. Okay. Now, let's get into a couple of things. Number one, you just requalified. You said since 2010, mm-hmm. the Saints are the Clippers. Okay. That's not what was said in the clip. That's the first thing. It was like, what, what was said in the clip was that the Saints are the Clippers of the NFL. And let's, before we even get into the Saints, let's, just, <laughs> let's, 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 let's analyze who the Clippers are. The Clippers are a team with no championships, no mm. Western Conference Finals uh, appearances, no real face of the franchise, no cultural support where they live. They're a second also-ran team. They are one of the worst franchises historically in the entire NFL. And it's not just for what they do on the court. It's for the dysfunct. Like, when the Clippers clippered their way out of the last playoffs, nobody mm. even batted an eye. Nobody's blood pressure went up. That went, they went, hey, they're the Clippers. All right? Now, when you compare that to the Saints, who, hmm. number one, did go to the NFC Championship game against the Rams, have had some heartbreaking losses. You know what? I was on a plane coming back from Anguilla. <laughs> and, and the Saints, the Saints uh, playoff game was on. And I heard a guy, like, scream in the back of the plane. And I turned around. And I could tell he was from Louisiana. He had a gumbo soul. I looked at him. I was like, we lost. We lost that game. There's no way we lost that game. I looked and I, and then and when he, he then he looked at me and we could tell. And then the rest of the flight was terrible. So I get it. Hasn't been a lot of high-level success. But in the totality of what you said, it's very disrespectful. Now, I think there's a better NFL, a better NBA comparison. Okay. Than the Clippers. I'll tell you why. The Dallas Mavericks. Ooh. The Saints are actually the Dallas Mavericks of the NFL. Tell you why. Number one, Dallas Mavericks, two really high-profile losses in the playoffs. Once to the Golden State, we believe, team, right? Where they got knocked out of the first round. Very embarrassing loss. Mm-hmm. Another time, it made it all the way to the finals. Lost to Dwayne Wade and uh, the NBA refs in that series, right? <laughs> but then... They were able to change their culture by having a bona fide face of their franchise, MVP caliber player who actually became the MVP, who was able to be good enough to get them over the hump to win a championship. And since then, Dallas has good teams. Dallas has bad teams, but they're all they're always right there. It's a it's a difference comparing the Saints to them. We're not one of the blue bloods of the NFL. We're not. But when you say the Clippers. You're talking about historic dysfunction. We're talking about dysfunction on a honey boo boo family type <laughs> level. I, that's not right. I, I can't go for that one, dog. And, okay. and, and by the way, I said that to my dad. And my dad was like, nah, boy, you know my nerves bad. Why would you send me this today? You hurt my father, bro. You hurt my dad. I apologize for your father's feelings. <clears throat> but look, I, and I should have clarified, it's been within the past 10 years. Because right. look, you know, and I was thinking about that before I jumped on. Maybe you compare Sean Payton to a Doc Rivers. 
Maybe. Because yeah. the dude, that, that's a better comparison, probably. Because the dude has won, won a championship, and then he's brought stability where he's gone. Saints have been stable, you know, really for the past 20-plus years. But mm-hmm. they were able to win a championship underneath Sean Payton. And really, since then, it's there's that potential based on what we've seen during the regular season. There's been years where there have been better teams within their own division or conference. You know, even with the Panthers and the Falcons who reached Super Bowls in past seasons. But at the same time, there has been that own kind of self-sabotaging, you know, I wouldn't say dysfunction. There's just been self-sabotaging moments that get exasperated by, you know, being able to pin it on referees. Like, look. Well, I mean, you could could say that we pin it up. Look, you can say that we're pinning the referee, the the, the bad call in the Super Bowl. Look, I, I don't know what to say about that. Literally. If I was coaching a peewee team, mm. a peewee team, the South Baton Rouge Rams, all right, where I'm from, back home in Baton Rouge, if I was coaching them and, they, and, like, like, and that call happened against us, mm. me and the ref got a box. You understand? <laughs> we got to stand at the 50-yard line. If you're going to do that to my son, we got a box, bro. We got a okay, box. Okay, but look, that, it, that is a, that my is son one of the, is on your team. egregious, horrible, one of the worst calls in NFL history. Sure, We're sure, in the Super sure. Bowl. I agree. I agree. But if I, look it. Uh, I'm kind. Of, I'm not trying to be contrarian, but look, if my son is on your team and you didn't give my son the ball, he scored. You know, he's a good receiver. You haven't been throwing the ball to him enough in the first two quarters, and all of a sudden you did in the third and fourth quarter. Why weren't you doing that in the first and second quarter so you didn't have to be in that position in the first place? Okay, that's really Listen, what it comes down to. If you want to make arguments that that we should have never been in the position where the game was that tough, that's fine. But it's the yeah. NFC Championship game, right? It's the mm-hmm. NFC Championship game, which means they're pretty two pretty good football teams playing. Oftentimes, those games come down to a couple of possessions, a couple of scores. So I'm not shocked that the Saints were in a position. And that's really, if you're, if you're even when you take the Super Bowl that we won, right? Mm. You take the Super Bowl that we run, won, Look at the way the NFC Championship game played itself out in the Dome even in that year. Mm -hmm. The difference between that is that we had a guy who under pressure is normally pretty good, and the other team had whippity-whippity Mr. Wrangler. And it was just a matter of time to old whippity-whippity threw us one. And he did, and we won. All you can ask for if you have home field advantage is to be driving Mm -hmm. for the go-ahead score on your field in your town to go to the Super Bowl. And we had that. And a diseased zebra snatched victory out of our hands. And you're giving them a pass. You know who the Clippers are? Shout out to Atlanta. The Clippers are the Falcons. That's who the Clippers are. The Falcons, I'm not That's saying fair. it's just... Okay. The, they've never done anything. They, the Falcons haven't done anything. They should move them to Montreal. They've never done anything. <laughs> like, Anything. And they, they had a chance, and they clippered their way out of the deal. But what you did to us wasn't right, and I'm hurt. I'm not even mad. Huh. I'm hurt because I really respect you guys in the show. And then I had to come in this room. I had to water my plant. I'm going to water them right now. <laughs> He's literally watering the plant, just so you all know. <laughs> wow. Upset. This is, uh, I feel like we've all grown in the past 10 minutes. Nora, what would you think? Guys. I'm shedding tears right now that she was had to step that away was, from the microphone for a little bit i really did have to pull myself back there a little bit uh van i think that was a very compelling argument i do have a question for you sure which is are you aware that the saints are nearly a hundred million dollars over the salary cap next year this is neither here nor there for this argument oh, no. i just i like to keep it in the in the mix 
No, I, I, yes, of course I'm aware of that. But what? what <laughs> thank you. Uh, it has nothing in, to do with the Clippers. <laughs> I just like to bring it up. And here, I'm glad that I can be on the Ringer Anti-Saint show today. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm aware that we have some money problems. I'm also aware that you know, our Hall of Famer has broken ribs and, yeah. you know. Collapsed lung. Yeah, you know, yeah. collapsed lung. And pretty soon, white Lamar Jackson is going to be the starter for our team. So there's a lot of things that are going to have to happen. I'm not saying we're in the best yeah. place. What I'm saying is, please, don't, come on, okay? don't clipper us, dog. You, you, you know what I mean? Don't, don't clipper us. Do you know how many people? I put that on message boards. You took, <laughs> you took me back to 2007. I put that on message boards. I, I really, I outsourced this answer. This wasn't just I'm all glad. me. You think this was all me? We came up with this as a family. <laughs> this is, you brought in, you, you had help. Kalen, you didn't have any help on your take. No, I didn't. And I had Saints fans who are close friends, you know, get at me. They're like, oh, man. Like, I had a few. I had a few of them. I had a few of them. They're like, a few of them are like, they're like, man, I hate that you're right. And I was like, I'm not trying. I'm, I'm, oh, wow. Some wow. of them were like, I'm, I hate that you're right. And then right. some of them said exactly what you said, the Mavericks. And I was like, wait a second. The Mavericks are never, you know, in the top five. We're never talking about how prolific the Mavericks are. They don't really have a face of the friend. Now they do. And Luka Doncic well, and even Dirk that's Nowitzki. Why, that's why I disagree. Yeah, I think Dirk. I, I think I think they, yeah. they had Dirk for a lot of years. And I think we're all we we do talk about them as a tradition a traditionally offensive team that normally yeah. has fatal flaws that bite them when the playoffs come around. And I think that's something that you can say about the Saints. Since Sean Payton has been there, we've been a dynamic offensive team, right? But always. we've always, you know, in in situations we've never really been in, and even in when we won the Super Bowl, it's not like the defense was solid. They were opportunistic. They were a high turnover yeah. defense and really, really good uh, at hitting the quarterback four to five seconds after the whistle had blown. So, like for so, they'd actually be very good now. They would. <laughs> they, they they would with the way they constitute. So I'm just saying, I think they're yeah. more. But when you say the Clippers, you're talking about historically bad basketball, dog. You, you yeah. know what I mean? And so I think that's kind of what jumped out of people. But I appreciate the take, and I like. I, <laughs> like Tom. I like. I I I, I I I love the take. I love the take though. We love a take that causes problems in your personal life. I appreciate the take is the perfect way to get us out here. Yeah, peace. I just like when people get to it. My man got to it. He was like, fuck y'all. Like, you know what I mean? He, like, that's basically what he said to us. Hey, I don't he even was hate like, the Saints. Yeah, that's like, the thing. I don't even hate oh, the Saints. Oh, it don't matter now. <laughs> Van Lathan, Kalen Jones, Norfren Ciotti. This has been amazing. Thanks, guys. Peace, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Bringing in from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, from the Ringer.com, from what else, Danny Heifetz? Uh, Ringer content, yeah. From, from, from New York, the state of New York? New York, Richmond, LA, coastal elite. And Kalen Jones is back for a second segment. Kalen, how'd you enjoy the first, first segment? Uh, I still feel bad for Van's dad. I apologize to him for hurting his feelings.
Um, Van's dad is the only one who gets an apology from your scorching take. That's the only You stand one. by the take otherwise. I do, yeah. All right. So we're going to do guessing the playoffs here. And very easy, very straightforward. If you don't know, we'll just do it right now. Uh, here's the playoff spot, playoff picture, one through seven. Remember, they have seven spots this year. They might have eight if the game is canceled that affects the playoff spot. Packers one, Saints two, Cardinals three, Eagles four. And I say that with a laugh, maybe maybe a bigger laugh. Um, Bucks are at five, Rams are at six, Seahawks are at seven. Bears, Vikings, Lions are the teams on the bubble, and we use bubble in huge quotation marks. <laughs> In the AFC, that's where it gets interesting. Steelers are one, Chiefs are two, then Bills, Colts, then Raiders, Dolphins, Ravens. And here's where it gets intriguing. The teams on the outside looking in, the Tennessee Titans, the Cleveland Browns, the New England Patriots at four and five. Okay. Danny, we'll start with you. Give us your wild card teams. What does it look like? Well, my first thought as you were talking was that the term playoff bubble is over because that means something completely different now. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. But take it up with NFL.com. <laughs> Wait, you want AFC or NFC first or both? Let's 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 do NFC just to get out of the way. NFC's, we know the playoff teams. So let's just do some seedings and some some housekeeping. Unless you have a Bears take. No, I don't. I thought about it because of Nick Foles. I decided I'm not going down on the chip. No, okay. I got Seahawks, Bucks, Cardinals for the NFC. Wild cards. Seahawks, Bucks, Cardinals. Okay. Yeah. So the extension of that is that the Rams are gonna win the division. Yeah, so I got, yeah, so the Rams winning the West, the Saints keep holding on to the South, Packers holding on to the North. I think the Giants actually took over the East, which isn't your question, but I think the Eagles then fall out. Oh, no, that is my question. I mean, that, that, that's, that, that is relevant to, yeah. the, to the NFC. So uh, the Eagles over, get overtaken by the Giants. How does this happen and why? So Joe Judge just with his fist just brawls across. Yeah. yeah. No, I know that didn't actually happen, but no, I think the Giants are just the best team. And I, I'm, I'm absurdly biased because I love watching the Giants and I root for the Giants, but. I think anyone who's watched them over the last month knows they're the best team yeah. in the division. They the Bucks game looks less and less like a fluke the further they okay. get from it. We're, we're, everyone is doing the, the phrase. Everyone's doing a lot of work. One hundred percent of people. Who's watched many the people Giants are saying. Many people saying are saying they're the best team in the division. Okay. <laughs> no, but they are. I mean, like the ironically, they fired Mark Colombo today, but the offensive line has been playing a lot better. They're somehow running the ball with Wayne Gallman. Daniel Jones had, I think, mm -hmm. his first game without a turnover his career. And, I mean, if he just does that, like, I actually think they're going to keep winning. Like, the bar is pretty low. They could host the right. Buccaneers in wildcard weekend at 6-10. and 10. I'm well aware of that. Uh, Kalen, NFC. NFC, I've got the Bucks, the Rams, and the Cardinals. Okay, so that's Seahawks winning the division then. Yeah. And do you have the Eagles winning the NFC East? No, I have the Giants as well. I have the Giants winning. Hell yeah. See? Oh, Objective. What do you, oh what do you, you don't think Same, the Giants can do it? I think they can do it. I, think I just the don't team. think they will. I think that at some point the Eagles are going to that that punt to tie is very important. And I think that there's I just think at some point the Eagles are going to accidentally win two games. Wow. Does it okay. say anything That's that Eagles fans are not yeah. confident and Giants fans are? Does that mean anything to you or no? No, they had the best <laughs> okay. quarterback in the division. They had the best quarterback in the division and <laughs> the best and the best and then the best coach in the division. <laughs> the best quarterback that has maybe. to matter at some point. Maybe that the, has to matter at some. But point. But they have the toughest schedule. They've got to face the Saints, the Packers, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals. You know, it's a tough road for them. I'm 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 aware. I'm just saying. I don't. I think. Listen, everybody in this division stinks. Okay. Every single team. Yeah, they smell so like I they want to be left even, alone. I think even projecting them. Is like there's a reason these teams are all awful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Eagles have the t fifth toughest schedule, but the Giants have the seventh toughest schedule going forward. So it's not like they're 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 well, the problem. One you're using that. Joe Judge is about grit. No. Let me tell you something. <laughs> the problem with the NFC East mm. 
is that they don't play the NFC East. So they can't get, they, they, they can't play themselves. So they don't, they can't just rack up wins out, out of division. They can't, you know, the Giants can't play the, the Giants to get an easy win. Yeah. That's what the NFC West is. They just play year. Washington so, for the easy wins. Yeah. NFC West is like, everyone's like, the NFC West is amazing. Well, they just play the NFC East. They have what, yep. Is the NFC West overrated? Right. Uh, it's, it, I think the records are inflated. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Like Seattle still has Washington football team, the Giants, yeah. and the Eagles to go. So That's Seattle's going to win those three games, and they have the Jets. Yeah. All right. Um, I am generally going chalk here. I think th- I, I agree Dan, with Danny that the Rams win the division. I have the Eagles win the division, and then the and, and NFC West teams. This is not. There will be no Bears takes. There will be no Vikings takes. Although Simmons and I talked about this about how the Vikings at least have an outside shot. I just think don't think the win total is 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 going to get there. There's, there's not going to be a, an eight and eight wildcard team. So that that's unfortunate for them. All right, AFC. Here's where it gets interesting. Kalen Jones, take us there. Um, I've got the Dolphins, the Raiders, and the Ravens chalk right now. Dolphins, Raiders, Ravens. Okay, so you, do you have any faith in the Titans or Browns? Or the Patriots. I don't have faith in the Browns. Um, okay. I do have a little bit of like slight faith in the Patriots just because of Bill Belichick and Cam Newton and the way that they, mm. you know, kind of just find ways to win um, talent and coaching there. But as far as, you know, the Titans, I, I'm still conflicted here because I think that they can sneak in. Um, I don't trust the fact that they are not able to, tr- you know, really put any faith once they fall behind. They are not the same team. They're not able to, you know, rely on their quarterback to make plays the way that other teams can. Ryan Tannehill, when he has a lead, when they're able to use play action, run the football, uh, great team, one of the best in the league. But they need their defense to play at a high level, cons- you know, consistently. I don't think they're. Yeah, the get defense that. sucks. I mean, Kevin, you yeah. keep talking that this is like the this is the Occam's Razor season. This is like the keep it simple season. Defense wins championships. The Titans defense sucks. Also, yep. their special teams are awful. If the Chargers have the worst special teams in the league, the Titans are right there at the bottom with them. And I think it's ironic that you've got the two Belichick disciples of Mike Vrabel and Flores. The Dolphins have the best special teams by yep. football outsiders. The Titans are like at the bottom. And I think that that kind of shows like the detail orientedness of the Dolphins is kind of why I have faith in them and not so much in the Titans because beyond their offense, it's just sloppy. Yep, that's exactly what I want. I don't think defense wins championships. I think defense can lose you championships, though. I, I, what? But I've heard it so many times. Mm. Why would it not be true? <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> I w- let's get Danny Heifetz's teams before we get into specific debates on this. Go ahead, Danny. This is so boring. I've got Ravens, Raiders, Dolphins. I almost want to change something okay. now. Okay. So <laughs> I, w- I want to get back. So let's debate the Browns here for a second. Yeah. I actually do like the Browns as, as a, as an idea. Cause they play defense. Yeah. And, (laughs) and, and they have the jets, the Jaguars, the giants, the Eagles, uh, as, as their easy opponents. Now Vegas also has, has a very easy schedule. Um, but I just think they're going to be able to get to 10 wins at some point. Uh, and by the way, Vegas has the tiebreaker. So it's a tough road to hoe as far as just a, a take that the Browns are going to make the playoffs, but I do think that they're probably going to be a a 10 win team. Uh, Anything with the divisions right now, guys, where you think that, that this could shake up or or do you guys have the current winners, the the Steelers, Chiefs, Bills, and Colts as the division champions? I have chalk there, but I really thought about putting the Dolphins in the AFC slot because basically the Bills are on by this week. And if the Dolphins win 
this week. Against it's really close. If, yeah, it, I mean, I think Flores yeah. is a better coach than Fangio, and I think that if the Dolphins win this week, that division's really close. They play in Week 17. I thought about it, but realistically, it's just it's more likely than not the Bills hold on. Danny, let me stop you right there. Did you just have to go with Flores as a better coach than Fangio? That was your X factor in <laughs> Dolphins versus Broncos? In all seriousness, yes. In all seriousness, yes. I mean, oh it's like Flores versus Drew Locke. Like, no, in all seriousness, I think coaching is the most underrated part of the season. I mean, you talk about this all the time. Yeah, but, but the, the Dolphins have the edge in like every single department. And then, and then you're like, well, in coaching. Yeah, I just, it's just funny. It's just funny. I like it. I like the take. All right. Yeah. yeah. I just, it's not a take. No, but I think that the interesting part is that the, I actually don't think the AFC South is that close as a division, even though the Colts and Titans have the same record. I tend to agree. Yeah. Which is to weird agree. to say, but I, I think the Dolphins have a better chance than the Titans, even though they're Kalen Jones, away. Bills, Dolphins, settle it. Uh, I'm going to take the Bills. I, I know, again, like, I, I, like Danny mentioned, you know, I think Flores is definitely a better coach than Sean McDermott, but I, th I think that, you know, the Bills are going to be able to... You think that you think that, okay, you think that the floor is better coach than McDermott. That's interesting. I do. Yeah, no, personally, I do. Okay. I think that, no, look at, look, I, I think it's a bit of a toss up. It's, I that's what I'm saying. It's not like, it's not like similar. clear and above. I think it's very, 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 very close. But I think Flores is a better coach when you look at the construction of the roster and what he's been able to do with this team, maximizing uh, the plays that he has. But like that being said, I, I think that the Dolphins still, you know, they, they're not the most complete team, you know? The Bills do have, a, relatively speaking, they do have a complete team. They just haven't been able to play at a consistent level. And a lot of that has to do with Josh Allen. I would say the, the similarities between McDermott and Flores, they're both great culture guys. They'll both make you believe in intangibles if you don't going into an interview with them. Um, they both like veteran presences, but know how to work in and develop youth. So I think there's a lot there. I, I think it's too early for me. This is the first. I mean, listen, Brian Flores has only had a team to win with for like, Five weeks. Like it's hard. It's <laughs> no, hard for me to make the comparison. No, they went fine. They were tanking no, no, last no, year. No, that's my, no, but that's my point. They tanked. Right. They sold everything that was not nailed down. The yeah. first half of the season, they were worse than expansion franchise, and they finished five and four. They're better. They 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 finished with a better record than the Patriots from November first last year's team. And if in my mind, coaching the definition of a coach is your job is to do more with less. Your job is to make the whole greater than the sum of the parts. You could argue that no coach in the 21st century has been handed worse parts than Brian for Brian Flores. He had for a half season got that team to be five and four. And in my mind, I actually connect that five and four to the first half of this season. Even though you're not supposed to do that with coach of the year, I think he's coach of the year. I I think he and Mike Tomlin can duke that out. I'll, I'll make that decision with who I'm backing next month. But <laughs> I think you're overlooking the mess that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean had to, oh, they're had doing to rebuild with. Like, they're both so good. I mean, they're in the top 10. Yeah, I, I understand. I'm yeah. just saying, like, three years ago, they had to just, they basically had to do an on-the-fly teardown because of the cat problems they were with and the culture problems and all that stuff. So I think that they, I think that I understand why that you would want to say Flores is better than McDermott. I'm just saying it's a, it's a lot closer than. Let's keep perspective here. We think. don't have to pit them against each other. Yeah, they're both ahead of the Patriots. They can both be happy. There's no, we plenty do. Of juice. We do have to pit them against each other because no. they're in the same division and going for the same playoffs. <laughs> That's spot. how the Patriots win. No, the Patriots are not going to make <laughs> it. Screw conquer. the Patriots. Let the Bills and Dolphins fans both be happy. <laughs> all right, uh, all right. Let's uh, let's let's go to some questions here. All right, number one. We'll start with you, Danny Heifetz. Since you're energized right now, <laughs> who is who is the wild card team you're most confident will win a playoff game? Oh, I mean, it's the Bucks, unless they have to play the Giants, in which case that'll be hilarious because they'll lose. 
But it's Tom Brady and Todd Bowles. I mean, it's it's defense. I mean, all my cliches about defense wins championships. I mean, it's Tom Brady. It's like I, I can't. I mean, it's this isn't a take. It's like the safest thing I can think of for a playoff game. So can I ask you a question? Hit Do you me. think, though, that there's a chance that the Bucs are not a wild card team because the fact that Drew Brees is out for an indeterminate amount of weeks? So 538, obviously the tiebreaker goes to the Saints, but 538 has him as a 26% chance of winning the division. I understand everything. But I, I you know, you're trusting Jameis Winston to, to get you some wins here. And I think we've seen it with Teddy Bridgewater, how they've able, been able to operate with a backup quarterback. But that just worries me a little bit when you've got the best quarterback of all time. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, of course it's worrying. I, I don't know. I mean, they went five, as you said, they went five and oh with Teddy Bridgewater. Now, Winston is, I think, the polar opposite of Jameis wins uh, of Teddy Bridgewater as a player. Like they have nothing yeah. in common. Jameis has nothing in common with Breeze. It's like he has a cannon arm, kind of reckless with the ball. Like, I'm, I don't know if he's going to be able to replicate that because Teddy was very content to let the defense win those five games. But if he can, I mean, I think this, I picked the Saints to win the Super Bowl and I stick, I stick with it. So I, I think they're going to hold on to the division and the Bucks will get the wild card. Kalen Jones, give me your wild card winner. Um, I picked the Rams, but you know, I, I both of you guys have them as, you know, winning the division. Players. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't, it's, it's not too surprising when you consider, you know, again, Sean McVay and Brandon Staley, the coaching job that those two have done this year, you know, maximizing, especially Staley with the defense, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey have been playing absurd football. And now you have players around them also playing really, really well. Um, I think come playoff time, that's going to really show. I have to be honest, Kevin, you changed my mind about the Rams defense because I thought firing Wade Phillips in f 60 years of football experience during a pandemic would be a mistake. It was not. I thought it was a mistake, too. I, th I, I, I Until this year, I thought yeah. it was a mistake. I, 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 listen, I don't want to be credited with some sort of take where I was like, oh, great, great hire, Brandon Staley in March. It was just that I saw them play really well yeah. and really innovatively in September, October September and October, and then went on Rousseau and said, "This, this is this is it, Chief." And so <laughs> I don't think that there's. I, I I'm just looking at the at the evidence here. So it, yeah, I, I I love that that Rams team. All right, uh, who's the division winner that's going to lose? Kalen Jones. Okay, and by the way, we cannot say the NFC East teams. Just oh. so the listener knows why we're not doing that. Otherwise, we would all just pick that. Kalen Jones. <laughs> I'm picking the Colts. Uh, I don't really know wow. if they have a convincing, a truly convincing win this year outside of you know they. Uh, they they lost week one to Jacksonville. You could exclude that. They had a 29-point win against the, the Jets, um, but they also had an eight-point win against Chicago, nine-point win against Cleveland, four-point win against Cincinnati. They have a fourth-ranked uh, defense in DVOA, but they have the 18th in offense. And I know Phillip Rivers is, you know, a veteran, knows what he's doing, uh, but, you know, he has a career of, you know, kind of screwing up in crucial moments, and their offense doesn't really have too many <laughs> weapons. I love Jane that you're like all these numbers and then like and Philip Rivers screws up when screws it matters. Up. Yeah, I he mean, screws up. you're right. It's a succinct way of putting it. You're not wrong. <laughs> Danny Kelly, same or Danny Kelly. D Danny Kelly's I'm off honored. today. Honestly, I'm honored that you call me Danny Kelly. I would love to at the first Danny at Kelly. The first, at the first Super Bowl we went to, I, we were on Radio Row and I was walking down. I don't know. Who, I forget who I was talking to. I was just walking down the hallway and somebody comes up to me and goes, oh my God, Danny Kelly. And I was like, oh, yes, I am Danny Kelly. How you know, are you? You know, all these GMs kept coming up to me at the combine and were like, hey, nice to meet you, Kevin. Are you, is, are you serious? No, it was a joke. <laughs> that didn't happen. Oh. No, it was a total joke. No, it was, this was like a random person. Oh, oh, a random person. Yeah. That's it funny. was not a GM or anything. It was just a random person. It was like, that's Danny Kelly. I don't know where the wires got crossed or whatever, but it was a huge compliment to me. And now I just called you Danny Kelly. So it's congrats. The, the circle of life. My division winner. The Steelers, the Steelers are obviously the most 
likely team to lose. And Kalen, my only qualm with the Colts fans is, is Colts is all the Steelers fans listening to this also agree the Steelers are the most likely team to lose in the first round because I don't think they're going to hold on to the, the bye. I'm pretty, I mean, I think we all probably agree the Chiefs are going to end up with the bye. The, the yep. Steelers are so wobbly. Like Roethlisberger's literally wobbly. Roethlisberger yep. looked older than any person I've seen on a field last week with the two knee injuries. He just looks slower than ever. The, the line can't run block anymore. Like they're, they just keep winning by the skin of their teeth, but not in a way that's like, oh, what a great team, but in a way that's like, holy crap, this team is just honestly that my issue with Tomlin as head as coach of the year is that the Steelers kind of look like less than the sum of their parts. And that's just an issue. Like they keep just finding ways to, they're eventually going to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. I feel like they're doing that over and over. And also it matters if their defensive line stays healthy. They need Cam Hayward at hundred percent. They need Stefan to at hundred percent. So I just feel like they have this history of playing down to their opponents. I mean, from the Broncos game with Tebow and the Steelers have lost so many important games they almost lost a freaking Cowboys game that I wouldn't be shocked. And while we're having this conversation, I bet the NFC East team wins their first playoff game because that's always how this goes. <laughs> like, I, I, I really think that whoever wins the NFC East will win a playoff game just because that's just how this year has gone. I feel like it'd be against the Bucs, too. Hyph, it's just blackout. Just roll off 10 great picks. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. All right. So let's unpack all of this. So number one, Kalen Jones, do you believe in the Steelers? Uh, I do because of their defense and because Roethlisberger is proven. And I mean, honestly, and that's the thing. I, I, I agree that Danny's right in that they've looked wobbly and Roethlisberger for his part, you know, he, he's been a completely different player than what he's or actually not completely different player. He's been a different player in that he's had to get rid of the ball so much faster than what he's accustomed to in this past throughout his career. But he has the weapons around him. You know, I, I know the running game has not been there, but Roethlisberger has been, you know, solid enough to get it out to his guys. And I trust in the offense that they have. So I, a couple things. Number one is the looming problem here is that the Ravens might, as of right now, are the seventh seed. And that would be a really bad break for the two seed. And that's where getting the buy <laughs> becomes even more important. You do not want to be game planning for Lamar Jackson on wildcard weekend. That sounds like an absolute nightmare. So if you get nothing against the Raiders or even the Dolphins or the Browns or any of these teams, I think are, are really interesting. I don't want to be game planning for Lamar Jackson on wildcard weekend. Uh, all right. Last thing for you guys before we get out of here. Anybody off the board to make a run, whether that's the Vikings, Patriots, or whomever, is there anyone, if you had to bet, if you had to take a bet, if someone gave you $10 to lay it down on someone we have not picked to win anything, what are you going with, Kalen Jones? I'm picking the Vikings, and it's because of their schedule. You look at the Cowboys, the Jaguars, Bears, Lions, and then you just have to flip one of the Panthers or Saints, not to make a voting reference here, but there's a pathway to going nine and seven. So <laughs> conceivably. The question is $10 to put on someone. I once read in one of your columns that if you would just bet on the Patriots before the season every year, that you would be like a millionaire, uh -huh. like it's better ROI than like I every stock. That. That no? Sounds, that sound, yeah, it sounds great, but I didn't write it. Oh, I, I, mean, I, I, Kelly I, I sure I wrote it. No, no, but no. no. The, I, I pr it sounds like something I would have written. I just don't remember writing it. But the point is, I'm betting on the best coach ever. But the real answer here is, as I was looking at this question, is 14 is the perfect number for the playoffs. Because I looked at it, yeah. I was like, no, none of the bad teams are going to make it. None of the teams that really, does like, the teams that are left that can make a run really deserve it. Like, basically, the Patriots have to go 6-1 and one to finish. Maybe 5-2, and two, really 6-1. and one. And the Vikings have to do the same thing. And at that point, you deserve it. But I kind of just looking at this was kind of excited. Like, I like 14 as a playoff number. Okay, so I also have the Vikings, and it is a schedule thing, because I look at, first of all, like, 
they're just a pretty good team. They're like a decent team. They're not they're going to win a playoff game, but I think they can they can rattle off some wins. Their schedule, uh, as Kalen alluded to, Jacksonville, Dallas, Carolina is a toss up, and then Detroit, and then they have the Saints, the Bears, and the Bucks. I, they've got to pull an upset over the Bucks or, or the Saints in order to to get in this conversation, but they can certainly beat the Bears. So I would not be surprised if they make a run. Um, I don't. I think this is kind of a bad year to be a bubble team just because of of how crowded that whole thing is and the fact that we just talked about it the, the ravens might be the seventh seed like that that's that's the depth of, of the afc and so with you know with new england they've got a pretty easy schedule 26 by by future uh, opponents winning percentage i got the texans the chargers and the jets if the chargers are not an easy out and and they've got really good quarterback play and in theory could beat everybody if they didn't just blow everything at the end of the games but then they also have you know the bills rams cardinals and dolphins so it's going to be tough for any of those teams. If anybody made it, I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings did it. Listen, I really, I this is, I'm pro Patriots. I'm famously pro Patriots, so I wouldn't be stunned <laughs> if 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 Cam Newton made a run like this. But this is, uh, it's a tough year for that. Yeah. All right, Danny Heifetz, any other takes? Uh, no, I'm good. I I like 14 teams for the playoffs. Everyone complained about adding two spots. It's perfect. It's less than half, and but it's it's enough. Mm-hmm. It's the right amount. You'll get used to it. Agreed. I who says I'm not used to it. Because it's never happened before. How could you be used to it? <laughs> I'm just, it could be 16. Oh, yeah. Well, it could be, yeah, we'll have to get used to that too, either way. All right. Danny Heifetz, Kalen Jones, two of my favorite people. Thanks for coming on. This has been the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network.